Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can the Pac-12 still be saved if Mike Pence has the courage <laughs> to do what needs to be done? I am Josh Neighbors. This is the Big 12 Watch. Joining us, it is Spencer McLaughlin, one of our favorite guests, locked on Pac-12. Um, it's great. It's a great, Spencer, to talk to you because guess what? We have a Big 12 versus Pac-12 playoff game. And here's what here, here's what here's what'll band us together. Everybody is like, well, really, the, the AC, the uh, the the Big Ten and the SEC got two teams in. No, they did not. Washington's still a Pac-12 school. Texas is still a Big 12 school. I believe I saw Washington play in the Pac-12 championship on Friday night. You did. Correct. All right, so that would have been impossible for them to also be playing in Indianapolis the next night. This is Same correct. thing goes, I don't think Texas took the uh, quick flight over to Atlanta from Dallas to immediately play in the SEC championship game. Uh, there's, they might be moving on. But like I even see Texas fans be like, "No, we're SEC." No, you're not. You're actually not. Um, you got to hold up the big, like very much enjoy it. But you got to hold up the Big Twelve championship last week. So it's a in a year where the conferences are changing. Uh, the Pac-12 and the Big Twelve are going to meet in the playoff. And I, I think, um, man, like this is actually a pretty exciting college football playoff. It's a very very exciting top four. Now we can discuss the auspices under which that we are we are here. Um, would you like to, cause I'm curious as to your opinion and I don't know what it is. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big earn it guy. Um, I, I don't do the whole, I think if we were to pick four teams and be like the best four, uh, I think that you could just take the, like, if, if that's really what we're trying to do, um, why wouldn't we just use Bud Elliott's in 24 sevens blue chip ratio that says, um, you know, it basically says, Hey, there has never been a team that's got less than 50% four and five stars blue chip prospects to win a national championship. Therefore, sorry, TCU, you should be in last year. You shouldn't be in this year, right? I don't think we should approach it with like the best four teams thing. Yes, we want the good teams to be in, but also Florida State earned that shit uh, for lack of a better term. I mean, an undefeated season and also... I don't view losing your quarterback as a problem. I view that as also you won in spite of that. You should be rewarded and lauded for other parts of your team stepping up to show what a complete team that you have. So I am firmly on that side. And that's, I, I, I look like I understand. I understand like, well, we didn't think they could win a national championship. Yeah, no, nobody thought TCU could. They beat Michigan and they never trailed in the game. So like we actually have to play the games. And the results have to matter. And we can prognosticate all we want. Washington was a 10-point dog on Friday night, right? Nine and a half, they, but yeah. 
They closed at 10. I saw it close on the CBS. I think it, I think at DraftKings it closed at 10. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at. What are you? I, I'm at the mindset that if you're a Florida State fan frustrated at not getting into the national championship, I have a sobering reality for you. And that's whether you had this outcome or the one that you so desired, you are a Jordan Travis injury away from making the college football playoff and maybe winning a national championship. That was going to happen one way or the other. If you had kept Jordan Travis in the lineup, if he had stayed healthy, and I am crushed for that kid because, gosh almighty, he has been there as a part of that Florida State rebuild, and it sucks that he got hurt this late in, in the season and whatnot. But if he had been there, I think the committee would have put Florida State ahead of Alabama. I know that because that's exactly what they said. It was that they considered a major injury to a key player and that that's why Florida State was not given the nod over Alabama. And I think your criteria for the playoffs should be a combination of the best and the most deserving. And the way that I would look at it is I'd come up with a 20-point scale. You could go 10-point scale if you want, do whatever you'd like. But a 20-point scale where you grade each team on a 1 to 10 based on who you think is the best which is dependent upon a variety of factors and one to 10 based on who is most the, the most deserving. So on that scale that I have made up for myself and would like to claim I need to submit a patent to the U.S. government for, Florida State would absolutely be a 10 on the most deserving. On the best, they would probably be about a two, maybe a three, whereas every other team I would mm. look at and say they would be between an 18 and a 20 with Washington and Michigan both being 20s. So hmm. that's where I come down on it is I know that Florida State was not going to alter the national championship stru structure. I don't and know if I you think can say that. Of course you can. You they can not say that. They would not have scored an offensive touchdown against Michigan. I watched them. For, I watched, Here's what I think. I think they should have been a three seed playing, playing Washington. Great. They I wouldn't have won that football game either. You can't. Here's the thing: if they play Washington, which once again you put the three conference champions right there, uh, one, two, and three. I mean, look, like yeah, you also like Texas's chance. resume is better than Florida State's, even at the unbeaten. Yeah, but Texas lost a game. Like Texas, Texas did did suffer a loss. True, they also beat Alabama on the road by ten. I look, you're you're preaching to the choir here. Like this, this to me, I thought it was pretty cut and dry. I thought the top four should have been Michigan, Washington, Florida State, Texas. Thought it was a pretty cut and dry top four. Mm -hmm. You are not what your record says you are, as Josh Pate likes to say. I look, I understand that, but here's the thing: what do, it's all we have. It's 13 games, like, and I know we get a different version of you of a team every single time, but man, there should be some consideration for Florida State after they look like Florida. Florida was playing pretty good football at the end of the season. Oh Florida, boy, we're not defending Florida now, are we? We, well, a team that to, is like this close to firing their head coach, that one. I mean, the recruiting class is going to be absolutely insane. And it's not like they have bad players. Like Ricky Pier you know Ricky Pearsall's good. Yeah, Ricky you Pearsall's know, good. You know ETN's very good. Great yes, Trevor really ETN is a good player. I am telling their you, their defense Florida is not fantastic. As, I'm telling you that Florida as a team is not very good. But also, too, here's what I have to say about this. So, like, if we're talking about, I mean, I guess my, my argument is more of a value argument. Like, the SEC did not prove anything when it came to games against other conferences this year. At what moment, when the, at what moment this season did the SEC step outside of the SEC and beat somebody really impressive? I'd posit to you two games: Missouri beat K State on a 61-yard field goal at home, 
and Louisville beat or Kentucky beat Louisville last week of the season in a in a you know shootout, right? Those are the two best wins. But like to me, there was nothing defining about this SEC season where it was like they did they did not have a an absolute wagon tearing through teams. LSU's offense was a wagon at times. You know, Jalen Milrow was really really impressive at times, right? And that offense and, and I thought Isaiah Bond was really good, and I thought Jermaine Burton was really good at times too. Their defense is is like I think it's a they're an interesting team just because of like the way they're constructed, right? It's like stars, stars, stars on offense, big plays, stars. And then on defense, it's they're, you know, just really they're solid all the way throughout. Uh, but like Georgia, their defense was not as good as it was last year, right? I mean, we we know then their offense was pretty good, I thought, for the most part. They, they did not have a hammer in that league. I, I think, you know, pretty confidently I can say Missouri was the third best team in the SEC. The old miss fans will fight that, but like old, when did old miss really light it up and show us like oh, we're really awesome team this year right so like hey that's don't the forget case, about tennessee i mean tennessee's ranked that means they have to be good good lord they were i'm not sure how they got ranked they got dog walked in every big <laughs> big game they played every this year. single game Everyone? that they played against a ranked team they lost by double digits and they tossed in a double digit loss to the aforementioned five and florida. seven florida gators well there they got they got dog walked by missouri they got blown out they by lost georgia. in back-to-back they got weeks, out, they got killed by alabama 70 what was it 74 i think to 17 in back-to-back right. weeks against ranked teams and they remained in the top and they were like a big win everybody like even missouri you got to they win have their best win is kentucky them. right it propped that yeah it propped them up so I will say like that, that was my big case is look, I know we think we know about the sec, but my big issue is we played the games and Florida state has to be rewarded for that. And Spencer, my, my big concern about all of this. And the reason why I'm glad we're going to 12 is this, is that look, we have five power, five leagues, right? There's four spots. So somebody naturally is going to get left out. And we've had years where it's been two somebody's getting left out. My concern is once we now back this thing up the ladder and we're going to start asking about, two lost teams and three lost teams and whatnot. I mean, when, when everything, because to me, this was not, this was pretty ironclad, right? When we start getting to two and three lost teams, things get a bit flimsier. If we're going to take your route of like, what do we value and who's better? And well, who would, who would team X rather play? And what would the point spread be? And like, I think we're going to get more and more away from results. And then it's going to be like, well, they're out their top wide receiver. And it's like, oh, we're going to do that. We're going to do a turned ankle. We're going to start that stuff's going to, but we're not going to pretend that a wide receiver or any position matters as much as quarterback. Right. Right. But they still won. And they still had two games after that. And they won both. Yeah. And they played a good and a below average team. And they look like crap in both of them. They played Florida on the road too in that environment. That still has to mean something. It doesn't mean that that it does. It it means that it means that they're a bowl capable team. That's what that that's what it means to me is that they're a bowl capable team because they beat a team that was one game away from bowl eligibility and they were able to beat them with their backup quarterback. Florida also had but their backup quarterback, by the way. And I think that Florida I, hold on. I think that Florida State defense is one hundred percent legit. They are fast. They are yes. physical. They are really, really good. The way they shut down LSU back in Week One, I thought was really, really impressive. Offensively, it would have been like putting Iowa into the college football playoff. That is what Florida, that is what Florida state is. That's not fair. No, no. They still got Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson. If you don't have anyone to throw on the football consistently, what does it matter? But Tate Rodemaker can throw. Tate Rodemaker has been around for a while. He's not Jordan Travis. He can't. I watched him against Florida. I was utterly unimpressed. He's still got the ability to throw the football though. It's not, I have seen backup quarter. I have seen backup quarterbacks come into a college football game and look far better than either Tate Rodemaker or block or Brock. 
Rock. We left. had we had what's this? What's the what was the big kid from Alabama who won the championship? Uh, uh, he was at Florida State first, then transferred. White kid, uh, played kid, quarterback. Jacob Coker. Coker, exactly. He won. He won championship with Alabama, right? Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, you could be still pretty mid and win these hold games. Do also you a month. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you think that that Alabama national championship team with Jacob Coker at quarterback would look the way that FSU did the last two weeks against those teams? No, but I would say not a say, shot. The, they would have the beaten them by twenty more. The quarterback spot. Okay, here. See this. Now you're projecting. Now you're projecting because here's the one thing we don't count. Uh, count. We get a month. A month to get ready. And Kalen DeBoer is an awesome coach. So they'd be, they'd be totally ready for it, right? They, they, I know that. But the one thing we know about Washington is like, Washington is not outstanding on the outside, right? So like, we know for a yeah, fact which, that, whoa, 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 which outside? Uh, on, the, on the defensive outside, defensive outside. Okay. I mean, you should watch yeah, yeah, the way yeah. they played against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game, but sure. The, it was the best game. By the way, I was surprised by it. Our Locked On Huskies guy was surprised by it as well. It was the best that secondary has played that against is, Oregon or anybody in the last couple. I of agree. Years. I think I that Jabbar could, Muhammad. Could Washington did, cover? Could they cover Keon Coleman and Johnny and Johnny Wilson? I doubt. Can it. anybody cover those two guys? Right. But, so, that's my hold point. On, hold on, hold on. Point but, but, right. But if you are are going into that game and you're telling me Jordan Travis is a quarterback, no, I don't think you can cover those two guys. But guess what? If you can't throw in the football, it doesn't matter if you've got a, a receiving core that's Randy Moss and Terrell Owens. If Nathan Peterman's throwing in the football, who cares? They still deserve a chance to. But here's the thing: they still deserve a chance to prove that. No, I think like, they had their no. That see, that's what that's that's where I disagree. That's not with the, fair. The they didn't get their out. chance. Of course, they, they had their but chance. They won every they had, game they played. They had two separate games to show that they were still a championship caliber team, and they demonstrated twice. They that won a not. championship in what they won a conference championship in dominant fashion. This is college. The they, no, it was not dominant. Whoa, 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 that was one way. Their defense was dominant. Uh-huh. And how about the other side of the ball where they were absolutely mugged by Louisville for a half? They couldn't get a first yes. down. Oh, they, had tough, they had a really difficult time. Yeah, they and did. Watching them play thing. offense was like watching a bad stand-up comic who's trying to jumpstart his career. He's bombing. With a third-string quarterback. Going, oh, With a third-string quarterback. In yes, I'm very aware it's a third-string quarterback. So was Cardale Jones. They blitzed Wisconsin 59 to nothing in their big Big Ten championship game. And that's when you knew, oh, okay, Ohio State is still capable of playing at the championship level that they showed earlier this year. But Florida State had not one but two opportunities. And against good to below average competition, they proved that they are not a championship worthy team. I just I don't think you can say after winning those both of those games that they're not they don't deserve a chance to play for it. Is scraping like, by a couple of teams like that? Scraping by Washington played seven straight games. They won by what? Nine points or less? Correct. And then against Oregon yes. in the Pac-12 championship game, guess yeah, what? Yeah, and, and here's the thing. They showed that they're the better team. Yeah, they are. That's what I'm saying. But Florida State showed that they were better than everybody on their schedule this year. That Pitch does not make them one of the four best and most deserving teams to get Dude, the the, here's, But here's my problem then. All right, for, it was, if, we're going, if we're going that argument, why are they not behind Georgia in the rankings then? We can debate the merits of you, the rankings. Where would you, where would you have put them? Where would I put Florida State? I need to hold on. Let me pull up the rankings real quick. It's five right now is FSU. Six would be um, Florida. I got to see. I got to. I got to. I got to see them in person. Seven would be. Where Oregon. would I vote to rank them? Hmm. Probably. Probably with that defense somewhere, like in the Penn State range. 
okay, but this is my problem. This has not been the I think it's a, by, by the way, like, I think Penn State and Florida State are kind of the same team. I think both defenses are nasty, and both offenses are just severely, severely limited. Penn State, though. What's that? I think, Florida, I think I think Penn State's defense is a little bit better than Florida State's. I think I think Florida State's offense is still with those two playmakers on the outside. Yeah. So so here here but here's what I want to say about it. So here's what I want to say like about moving forward. I am worried about some teams getting job. That, that's my big thing here. And my other issue, Spencer, Always is that gonna happen. The, the criteria has changed throughout throughout the years. Like about like what they valued, what de- deserving best. It has always always fluctuated in my opinion. Right. I mean, we saw like. You know, using this argument that you're talking about here, hey, we saw in the final game of the season, you know, a couple of years ago when Alabama got boat raced by Auburn and missed out in the SEC championship game and still got it anyway. It's like, really? Because, you know, I know they've got, I know they have, um, what was it, one loss? And that was like, I think it was Jalen Hurts. Yeah, they got killed in that 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 one game they played. And then uh, USC was on fire, right? USC ends up winning, I think that was the year they won the Pac-12. And even at two losses, I was like, I think this team still good enough to be, 2017 you're talking about whenever it was whenever it was USC USC only won the Pac-12 once and that was 2017 with Sam Darnold that was that year that it was I think it was the Rose Bowl year against George Penn State uh, Penn State maybe Penn State in the Rose Bowl it was a really really good football game yeah USC was nine and three going into that game okay well whoever finished fifth that year whoever was finished yeah I mean I don't remember we can pull I'll I'll pull it up I'll pull it up whoever finished fifth I thought they should be in my whole point is here about like the like the, the criteria has switched throughout the years. It kind of morphs into whatever year it is. And I'm fine with it. That's cool. I just want some consistency because Florida State was winning and, they, you know, they would like Travis goes down, they grind out Boston College, whatever. They were ahead the entire time and finished at, like ahead. And they just they didn't get, end up getting the the nod in the end. And that, that frustrated me. So 2017, um, you had Ohio State at five at 11 and two, Wisconsin at six at 12 and one. And then Ohio Auburn, State. That's Auburn was, was in there, and that was the year that UCF uh, claimed the national championship. I believe it was. I believe Ohio State was a team I thought it should be in. No, they were eleven and two. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is Florida State's thirteen and though. But okay, so that, this leads us to the actual. We have to talk, talk about this matchup. All right. So Washington versus Texas to me is a really exciting game because yes. I think if you ask Steve Sarkeesian which team he would least like to play, I actually think the answer would be Washington. It's a bad matchup. And here, and, here, and here is why. Washington is very well equipped to go at what Texas does poorly. And Texas does not cover people very well, right? They have a really difficult time in coverage. And so I think, because here's the thing. Well, Josh, why would they want to play Alabama? Well, they beat Alabama on Alabama's field. Do you think, how do you think the Texas, how do you think the current Texas team, Spencer, feels about playing Alabama? Oh, we can do it again. Bring it back. You put us on a on a neutral field? Oh, okay. We like we like our chances when we do that. I, I'm just saying, like, I know Milrow's a different guy, but I think they like their chances of, of, of against them again. They should, right? They should have all the confidence in the world. And even last year, they almost beat them last year without a backup. And guess what? Bryce Young won that game in the end. There's no Bryce Young anymore. Michigan, obviously, I think I think I think um, uh, Texas probably likes their chances to to put up some points against that Michigan team, scheme themselves open enough. And look, and that that's a spot where JJ McCarthy's got to be the one to beat you. I mean, Texas has not been in, been run on by anybody this year. By the way, are you are you a JJ McCarthy fan? No, 
Me, okay, I think he's yeah. not bad. I don't think he's that. I don't think he's yeah, bad. he's not bad. But I got to tell you, of the four quarterbacks in the playoff, who would you least like to have as your starting quarterback? JJ McCarthy by a country by mile, a, consider- by a considerable margin. Now, I, I do think close. this like he did, he did make some nice plays, and I think when you watch he's the Penn fine. State game, when you watch the Penn State game back, and you watch the Ohio State game back, like the not putting your team in a bad spot's huge, but also. They didn't have him throw again in the Penn, at all in the Penn State game. And I think there are some serious concerns about that. You know, Michigan the uh, the last so early in the season, there was JJ McCarthy Heisman hype, and I never understood. Yeah. It. I was like, and first round hype too, really? Yeah, and there. first round hype, and I was like, mm, no, I'm not, I'm not in on that. And you were in that same boat, evidently, and we've been proven right in that regard. And let me give you a great, I mean, this is you know, sports talk 101 elite comparison here, Josh. You ready for this? Ready. The last quarterback to have been hamstrung by his offensive coordinator in a big game like J.J. McCarthy was against Penn State was, wait for it, Jimmy Garoppolo throwing mm. eight passes in the NFC Championship game. And does anybody think Jimmy Garoppolo is a good or even great or, – or, or sorry, a great or even good quarterback? I'm going to go with no thank you. The Raiders have made a terrible mistake, which everyone could really see. When you have an offensive coordinator that says, we don't feel like this guy has to do anything and I just need him to hand the ball off, that's all you need to know right there. That would never happen at any of the other three schools where your quarterback just has to go back there and hand the football off. That would yes. never happen. I, I think I think you're right. I, I think um... – you know, I, I did a stream for Bleacher Report, and I appreciate the folks over there. They let me interact. and That's a nice kind of, flex right there. That's a, that's a well, good Well, no, solid. it's nice because I get, I get to go off in different directions yeah. and do some streams and stuff, and it's a lot of fun, and I get to hear from different fans. And I've had, I've had to talk a lot, a lot of, about the Big Ten and Michigan and stuff, and I would say, like, the if you had told me J.J. McCarthy played the way he did this season, I would tell you Michigan probably lost a game, right? I would probably tell you they had just because the passing offense has been so overwhelming. But credit to them, they've been fantastic up front. And they've been able to run the ball. I mean, what did they do? They forced their way down the field twice against Penn State and said, all right, let's pack it up, boys. Uh, yep. They can't score on us, which is great because they deserve credit for doing that. Um, you know, they have three challenging games. The Maryland game was tricky, right? Penn State game and obviously Ohio State game. So, um, but, but as far as this game goes, you know, hey, like t- Washington will score. The one thing I do think, though, is – they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. I, I just don't, they're going to have to throw the ball to try and run it. I, I think some, like, I think well, that's, that's kind of what they've done all year. But there are some, I mean, you know, Dylan Johnson's had some games they wrote, the USC game, right? They they're a better running country. team than, than anybody outside of the Pac 12 thinks. Now, is it a foundation of what they do? No. And I never feel like their running game sets up anything in their passing game, but their quarterback and receivers right. are just so good. That is their fastball. And frankly, with different route combinations, that's their slider as well. The changeup is Dylan Johnson, and that's a sneaky good pitch for them when they're standing on the mound. So I think that for for the Huskies, they will do it enough to keep Texas off balance. They outran or outgained Oregon on the ground in the Pac-12 championship game, which is not Mm -hmm. something I ever thought I would see in that particular matchup because Oregon has just been a much more committed and successful running football team. But that Washington offensive line is really, really good. Dylan Johnson is second team all Pac-12 and deservedly so. And, and it's something that 
you know, they have available to them if they need it. It's just not something they feel they have to go to very much. They're not going to run for over 200 yards. Penix is going to have to go for, you know, three, maybe 350 to 400 or so to keep up with Texas in this game with the way they played against Oklahoma State, who was always a fraud. But I think that for Washington, it is a more balanced offense than people realize, though it is definitely a pass first. It reminds me of the way I play uh, before we hopped on here, I was finishing up a game of uh, NCAA 14 revamped. And the way that I call plays in there is kind of like what Washington does. It is pass first, spread the defense out, soften them up a little bit, and then bring in the rushing attack. Yeah, so I think the thing is, is that, you know, if they're able to run the ball effectively at all, I, I think they're definitely going to be able to win the game. I just don't know where that comes. And the, the thing is, is that, you need to run the ball at some points, just like give yourself your passing offense a break. The one thing, and Washington's capable of this, but I think they're going to have to be really successful in long down and distances. That's obviously going to be the one Which big they're difference. they're very good at. They are. And then they also need to, on defense, they have to limit explosive plays. Because the one thing Texas has been bad at this year is their red zone offense has not been great. But, but they have got a bunch of home run hitters. Worthy's a home run hitter. JT Sanders in the screen game was a run hitter. And I'll tell you what, man, there is no better big game wide receiver in the country than A.D. Mitchell. Adunze has been awesome in big games, obviously, but like every time it's a meaningful game, it feels like A.D. Mitchell's torching somebody. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to push back on the A.D. Mitchell over Roma Dunze thing. When you said big game hitter. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying like they're the same level. They're in the same caliber, right? Like okay. Those are both I mean, I, I, I still put Dunze like maybe a little notch above. I mean, you, you watch him more than I do, of course, but there has not been a but more. But a better overall wide receiver. I'm just saying yes. in big games, it's like clockwork. And the other thing like with Dunze is he is the most clutch receiver in college football. I include Marvin mm -hmm. Harrison there. There have been a number of times this season in which he has, in a critical spot, come up for Washington. Even if you know the football is going there, his timing with Michael Penix is pristine, and they are really, really good. And if you're in you know, a late-game situation and it's third and four, third and eight, whatever, Penix is going to look for number one, and you might not be able to stop it because their offense coordinator, Ryan Grubb, is really sharp. And I think what he does a great job of is finding favorable matchups for his wide receivers. He was put, getting his wide receivers on Oregon safeties all game on Friday night in Las Vegas, and the safeties could not cover. And he was mm -hmm. getting a Dunze one-on-one spots, and they just weren't able to cover him successfully all the time. So I think that that's something that Washington is going to lean on again because it's just been so good for him all season. Yeah, this game is going to be like a great live betting game because I feel like there are going to be some big momentum swings, right? I, I think yeah, it's I, I think I think you'll have plenty. I, I think you'll have plenty of points. You know, Washington's two biggest wins this year came against Oregon, and both teams were over thirty points in both games. I'd be surprised if this Texas game doesn't have uh, the same sort of feel. Yeah, I think the one reason why I favor Texas in this is because I think I like I like their lines better. I, I love their defensive line. I mean, they've got the be two best interior, you know, arguably. Two Washington's best offensive line is very good. The interior has yes, its moments, it is. but their tackles are elite. Right. And the area where, where the, the good area of obviously for Texas is the interior. Right. And that is an area where they're able to, and I think the big thing is, you know, Penix is a pocket. He's a pretty pure pocket passer. Right? Yes, he is. The one thing that obviously scares you about this then is middle pressure. Because the one thing middle pressure does for a guy like that is like you just 
you know, you want him to be able to be comfortable back there. And so they might have to move the pocket a bit more than they want to. It just splits the field for you, right? Now, when you roll a guy out, you have a plan for him rolling out in that direction. Does it split the field? Yes, but at least you have a plan. The problem when you roll out college or when when college quarterbacks in particular face middle pressure is it's on the fly and all of a sudden things are going wrong for them. So I think it's one area where they where they will do well. And I'll tell you what, man, this Texas offensive line has been really good this year. Um all three guys who have run the football, they're missing Jonathan Brooks badly, but Sark's so creative at getting guys the, the the football. I mean, the Sanders screens last week, I've been talking about them all week. They've been, they were great tight end screens. They get worthy the football in space. They get Mitch the football in space. They were really good getting Baxter and blew the ball in areas to be successful. And so that is, you know, to me, it's offensive line, right? That is offensive line. Like if everybody's running well, um, you know, I think Brooks is really good running back. I think, they obviously do miss him, but like if everybody's eaten, the offensive line obviously deserves a lot of credit. And they've got, I think Kelvin Banks will be a first round tackle. I think he can't come out this year. I think it's next year. I think he uh, is next year. Yeah. Yeah. But he'll be, I mean, I think if you put him out this year, he'd be a first round tackle. I, I, yeah. I feel pretty confident in saying that. Yeah. So I, I think that for Washington, you make a great point about the middle pressure and credit has to go to Brian Ward, at Arizona state. I mean, he kind of laid a blueprint for how to at least slow down Washington's offense because Penix doesn't move a whole heck of a lot. He's had injuries in his career. And so he like he, he he can move a little, but he wants to kill you from the pocket. He's a deep drop kind of guy to buy time. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason that, you know, it's really hard to to try to scheme blitzes against him is because he'll just take deep drops and he'll just throw these ridiculously accurate deep balls way down the field. And Oregon in the Pac-12 title game tried to bring middle pressure. They'd been great all season blitzing linebackers and safeties, and they weren't able to get home because the 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 running backs and tight ends were kept in in pass protection. And when every time Oregon showed pressure or Washington thought they would get pressure, they just went max protection with at least six, often seven guys. And they said, we dare you to try and cover our wide receivers. You probably can't. Oregon would be blitzing seven, you know, in cover zero, they'd have one-on-one matchups and Penix would just find the one that he liked the most. So, you know, it was a really, really good game plan from Ryan Grubb and it stifled what Oregon wanted to do because that is the way to slow down the Washington offense that we've seen so far. It just hasn't, you know, or it did work out or did not work out for Oregon. It's had success before, but I think Washington has kind of made the, made the adjustment. Yeah. I'm wondering where they will, you know, will they generate a lot of pressure? Will they try to go the extra guys in blitz and in different situations? Pete Kukowski and the Texas defense will have to decide that. But I do think that's, that is going to be a big factor in this game. Do they even need to Right? That's sometimes part of us too. And, you know, it's your comment about Oklahoma State being fraudulent. Like, I, I, I think they kind of were what they were the whole season. Um, I was very I just impressed. Been hearing people, oh, it's a different team. It's a new. It's it's a well, new, it's a different they're, team they're, than the team that that lost by twenty six points to South Alabama. That is that is. Is true. it because I watched UCF run them off the field? Yeah. Well, no, but but I mean, they still beat why you should have beaten them. They, yeah, but here's the thing: they had all. a streak of game. They, they yes, but they had a streak of games where they ended up beating Kansas State. Ended up being Kansas. They ended up being Oklahoma, right? So they're beating quality teams in a row consecutively, right? That still got still got to mean something. They also won nine games this year. Like here's the thing, Spencer. I don't think that team's not very good in my opinion. I, I don't think that team's like <laughs> that good. I'm no, not gonna, they've got good individual players, but I think they they played as a collective a lot better than I think what their aggregate talent is. They've got good wide, a couple good wide receivers, not a great quarterback, an awesome running back a decent offensive line and a couple of good playmakers on defense. I so, think you saw that they can play saying, up to saying. their competition a couple of times, but when they play to the level that is more 
you know, that's closer to what they really are as a football team, or I think they have a lower floor. They have a, they have a much they, lower they floor. Low floor. Yes, and but credit to them for avoiding that, that floor. floor. They avoided that floor more often than I think they could have found it this year. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I I'll, I'll I'll agree with that. I, my point being here is that Texas, Texas played two points like, or over twenty points three times. You're not Texas you're played not two bold good. teams at the end of the year, and you know Texas in those two games against bold teams, you know the last two games of the season, like just absolutely nuked them twice. They they didn't play a competitive second half in either of those games, right? Fifty-seven to seven against Texas Tech, and then forty-nine twenty-one against uh, against Oklahoma State. Neither of those were competitive. So uh, that brings me to this. I think it's going to be a tight game. If this spread gets six or seven, I'm definitely going to take Washington. It won't. I, you know, I, I think it's going to. I think it's going to get around six. I think six is what was what I think it's going to end. It was four think? and a half. How is it getting to six? If it gets bet up to six. I know, but you think enough money is going to come in on Texas minus four and a half? Yeah, it's Texas. Those big those big teams always get like the big money on them. All right. That'd be some. I'm just, using, I'm, I'm just using gambling logic. It's just it's usually I, I, how no. It, I agree. I'm just saying. If, if it the lines, like if here, you see those lines get pushed game day anyway. That Oregon line got pushed to ten against Washington. Yeah, I know, and I I think that this line will come and I think it will come in the other direction. You really but, think so? Think so. All right. All right. Well, well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, right now, as we're kind of how far are we out? Like twenty, like three weeks, three and a half weeks. Yeah. Uh, about three which weeks. way are you leaning? What do you think happens in the game? Washington in a in a good. Oregon looking game the way that if, if they play like they did against Oregon in either matchup but particularly the second I think they played a much better game the, the the second time around against the Ducks if they play like that if they if they are tackling in space like that then Washington I, I think is in a good position to win here they're, they're just a team that wins football games they've been doing it over and over and over again and you know, you are they're capable of you know beating a team by ten or more. I think Texas is really good, so I don't think that happens. But you look at one score games, and Washington has been literally perfect uh, in in the Kalen DeBoer era since that loss to Arizona State last year. And I, I think that they're just so good situationally. And Penix looks like he's back to being the healthy Michael Penix we saw that was a Heisman favorite at one point in the year. So I, I'd go, uh, I'll, I'll go Washington here. Uh, I think kind of thirty like a 38-35 kind of game. Yeah, I think we're going to see plenty of points. Uh, yeah, I agree. That would be my main prediction. All right, Spencer, where can the people find you and your work and all of its variety? I host Locked On Pac-12 and Locked On Ducks on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts, Monday through Friday, all year round. I get a lot of questions about what's going to happen with Locked On Pac-12 now that the Pac-12 is essentially defunct. And to that, I would say, follow me on Twitter at smalls underscore 55. And when there is official news on that front, I will keep you posted. All right, Spencer McLaughlin, Locked On Pac-12. Appreciate you, man. Anytime.